you are listening to the Spiritual Warrior Coach with Barbara Sabin, the podcast for discovering how powerful your wisdom, compassion, and courage is. Get ready to join Barbara and her guests as they explore and offer you advice on how to reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. And now, here's the host of the show, Barbara Sabin. Thank you for joining me today, and welcome to the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I am your host, Barbara Savin, and I am here to help you reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. I am a certified clinical and medical hypnotherapist, Reiki master and teacher, energy healing specialist, life coach, and best-selling author of Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. You know, I have been helping my clients for over 35 years, and the older I get, the more wisdom seems to come through. So isn't it time that you believe in yourself? You know, your mind is going to provide you with your greatest challenges in life because it's so very, very powerful. So let's use that mind for positive thinking, creating harmony, balance, peace, love, happiness, and anything else that your heart desires. Because one day, the world will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is your time to shine. And speaking about shining, boy, my guest today, she is truly a shining star. How are you today, Cindy? <laughs> I'm doing great, Barbara. Thank you so much for having me. This oh, is my pleasure. <laughs> I saw your little friend over there. <laughs> this is Molly. <laughs> Hi, Molly. <laughs> oh, don't we love our animals, our pets? Yeah. So yeah. let me tell my listeners a little bit about you. Okay. Uh, Cindy Simpson offers more than 47 years of experience in the health care field with the emphasis on development and delivery of addiction services that exceed community standards. And her areas of expertise include administration and management, program design and implementation, staff training and supervision, marketing and public relations and education. And for 15 years, Cindy lent her expertise to an, an emotional growth school by designing, developing, and implementing an addiction track for their students aged 14 to 18. And this included education and therapy for alcohol, drug issues, eating disorders, self-harm, anger management, and victims of sexual abuse. And most recently, Cindy developed and implemented an inner child workshop for the treatment of trauma and addictions that has been used around the world with great success. And she holds a bachelor's in business administration a master's in social work, and a PhD in healthcare administration. Cindy is also a substance use disorder certified counselor and a clinical supervisor and holds a lifetime community college teaching credential. Oh my, oh my. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> That's all. And, I, and there's a lot more on your bio. <laughs> wow. I, had a, I had a mentor long ago when I first started, he said, you don't want to specialize in just one thing. Mm. 
you want to you want to get information and education in a variety of things. That way you'll always have a job. I can see. <laughs> wow. So how did how did you actually get into this type of career? And, and why did you choose addiction? I'm just curious. Well, it started with that I am an addict. Oh, okay. And um and I was in recovery. Um, I was unemployed at the time and collecting unemployment. And back in the day, way back in the day, um, in order to keep your benefits, you actually had to go out and apply for a job um, and have the prospective employer sign off on your unemployment card that you had been in to apply. So I walked into a hospital that I did not know was a drug and alcohol treatment center to apply for a job as an administrative assistant. And it was only after I applied for that job or when I was there applying that I found out that it, it the name of the place was Beverly Manor Hospital in Orange, California, that I found out that it was a drug and alcohol program. And they hired me, much to my surprise, because I only type with four fingers, but they hired me. OK. Um, and it was purely a God shot. I'm very convinced that God had his hand in this for me. Um, and I was the administrative assistant to the administrator, the medical director, the clinical director, and the program director. And they were amazing, amazing men. Um, and I was 22 years old or 24 years old. I'd been clean and sober for two years. And I knew, I knew my own recovery and that's all I knew. And these men really grew me up <laughs> for lack of a better word. And, um, the clinical director and the medical director, um, well, and the program director to some degree, decided that I could do more than just type. And the three of them uh, literally sent me back to school to get my master's and paid for it. And then the program director was working at a DUI school and um, <laughs> he was a character. And he said, you know, you need to get some hours of real training um, so I want you to, when I have to be out of town, I want you to run my DUI classes, my DUI groups, and I'll give you the hours for it. And so he took me up one Tuesday night to run the group. And then I covered for him for the next 52 weeks. <laughs> I was set up is what I was, but you know, I learned how uh -huh. to, do it. I learned how yeah. to do it. And then, um, the program director um, and the medical director both said, you know, um, we need coverage. Sometimes we can't always make our speaking engagements, but I would, I would be the one that was helping them put together their programs. And so a couple of times I put together the programs and I showed up where they were supposed to be and I had everything laid out and they'd call me and they'd say, I'm not going to make it. You're going to have to deliver this for me. And so I learned how to teach. Wow. You know, it was just, and again, it was a setup, but mm -hmm. I was young and dumb and naive. And, you know, I kind of did what I was told, but I got amazing education. And that's how I got into it. That's how you got into it. Yeah. Like all those incredible, beautiful opportunities. Yeah. yeah, it really was. And I just, it's been a series of, um, of those kinds of things. And I was just, it was just, God's hand leading me through all these, you know, incredible people. 
Incredible. That's how I I feel that that things happen for a reason, Mm -hmm. and it's to help us see what it is that we need to see and hear. Right, right. Because I didn't think I had any of that inside of me, but they did. You saw something. They did. Yeah. Yeah. They they can see beyond you. So. Yeah. And that that was really that's a beautiful thing that they actually uh, did that for you. They helped you grow. It really did. It re- mm-hmm. Yeah, they really, really did. And you know, all through my career, I've been, um, I've met amazing, amazing people that have helped me do that, including my husband. I met my husband um, when I was 25. He was um, a physician who was working in the field of alcoholism, and um, we were married for 42 years before he died. And I, he died two years ago, and I learned so much from him. Um, because he, he loved the field, you know? And so I worked with him as well in his private practice. You know, again, it was just one of those gifts, you know, that just, I wasn't looking for that. Yeah. Well, yeah, evidently this is what you're supposed to do. This is your purpose and and passion in your lifetime. I finally figured that out. Yeah, <laughs> your your authentic self. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, at least you figured it out. That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. some people never do. But yeah. yeah, isn't that nice though? When you you just know this is what you should be doing. Right, right, and you know, for the um, I've been doing inner child work actually for about thirty years. I've been in Codependence Anonymous for thirty three years, but I. I I started doing the work about 30 years ago in between everything else. And it wasn't really until um, Keith passed away that I realized that that, that is my purpose, um, my primary purpose. And so I do that almost full time. Now I have, I, I have another job that I do and I love, but I'm passionate about doing inner child work because I think, I think that that's, that's the foundation of all addictions is the codependency and um, the broken inner child. That's it. And and that inner child, that younger child, you could say, Mm -hmm. as they, as they grow up, they, they think that coming from an alcoholic family or drug abuse, that that's their journey. Right. It doesn't have to be their journey. It's yeah. not their, it's not theirs. Right. Cause they didn't create any of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and it and- all, it all stems, I believe from codependency, codependency is the root of all addictions. And, um, and I believe that people learn how to deal with their codependency um, by using drinking, shopping, sex, religion, whatever whatever addiction it is that's how they deal with their codependency yeah and so taking them and and during all that time that poor little child gets lost and, and, and i always you know i had a, a client the just the other day and we were talking about that inner child and i said you know that that inner child is is was you know say eight years old and now you are in your 30s so it, it's time to say goodbye, but send her off with love and light and healing because right. she needs to heal and you need to live in this moment now. Right. You know. 
Right. So, yeah. And to love yourself and to send love to that inner child, which most right. of them, they, for some reason, they, they're not able to. And part of it is, you know, I believe, Barbara, and this is just, you know, my belief from my background is that they don't even know that inner child. You know, they have all these feelings, all these emotions. They don't know where they're coming from. They can't tell which child it is. And so when I'm doing the work with them in the workshops, the first thing I do is, is tell them, you know, we got to go pick those kids up so you know who they are because they're scattered hither, there, hither, there, you know, hither and yon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, with guided imagery, we go back and one at a time we pick up five kids. We pick up the infant, the toddler, the school-aged child, the middle school child, and the high schooler. The high school. And in between each one, we process what they saw, what they felt, what that was like. So that when they're having these adult, what they think are adult feelings or emotions, they know which part of them that's coming from. You know, are you having a two-year-old temper tantrum? Or are you having um, a middle school temper tantrum or a high school temper tantrum? You know, because you're going to love each one of them differently. Yes. And you're going to help each one of them heal differently. Um, And it's just so miraculous and fascinating to watch them as they're not only picking up each child, but as as they're uh, and they see around them how that child became hurt Hurt. Mm -hmm. without any blame. I tell them this is not about blaming anybody. because hurt people hurt people. And so we can't, you know, we're not blaming anybody. We're just looking at what was, okay? Your mom and dad were hurt at some point. Your grandparents were hurt. Yeah, I mean, everybody got hurt at some point. So this is just looking at what was. They couldn't have done any different because they didn't know any different. Exactly. But you get to do different. You know, you get to hold that little girl or little boy. You know, you get to tell them they're enough. You get to tell them they're great, wonderful, and terrific. You know, you get to tell them that they were told lies without calling anybody a liar. You know, all of that. Hmm. You watch their faces. It's like, wow. <laughs> wow. They feel, they feel freedom, probably, from that, that, that all of a sudden they're set free from that, you know, ball and chain of, of yesterday. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so when they leave before at the end, then they're all melded into one child. Cause I have this belief again, it's just mine. Um, that we're all made up of three parts. We have a parent an adult and a child mm-hmm. and the parent is that part of us that I tell them keeps us out of jail. Okay. <laughs> it's, that, it's that part of us that tells us to follow the rules and pay our bills and don't speed and, you know, go to work and that part of us. The adult is the part of us that um, makes sure we do our activities of daily living. We get up, we take our showers, we brush our teeth, we eat, we clean up, whatever the, you know, the um, activities of daily living. The child is the only part of us that has all of our feelings, all of our memories, all of our hopes, and all of our dreams. So he or she's the part that's been gone from your life and you filled up with alcohol, drugs, food, sex, um, uh, shopping, religion, whatever it was you filled it up with, okay? Mm-hmm. You don't need to do that anymore because he or she's back now. And you have your feelings and you have your memories and you have your hopes and you have your dreams, okay? 
And so we talk about what the dreams were, what the hopes were, what the feelings are, you know, and they get to see that. It's watching them. It's like, I remember when I wanted to be a nurse or I remember when I wanted to work on the railroad, but instead I had to do this because somebody, somebody else told me I needed, you know, all of that comes back. Mm -hmm. And so by the end, all three of them are back together again, the adult, the parent and the child, but they're all the same size. Like they should be, mm-hmm. you know? Wow. So, so does that help them with recovery? Yes. You know, from finally getting off whatever it is that yeah. they're on. Yeah. Because they don't have any need to, I mean, all they're all working a program of some sort, mm-hmm. but now they understand when they're feeling angry that they don't have to go out and use they can sit down and, and have a family meeting so to speak mm-hmm. and figure out okay where's this anger coming from oh mm. well, i didn't get my needs met okay so what can i do as a as a family as an apparent adult and a child what can i do to fill my need what am i angry about well it's not something i have to be angry about i just am I don't have to fix it. I can just feel it. I can write a letter to whatever it is. And as a group, we can burn it and give it to the universe. We don't really have to do anything about it. Or I'm sad. It's okay to be sad. You know, I can cry. It's okay. You know, I don't have to fix anything. See, most of the time, addicts want to fix something. Yeah, they or do. Punch somebody, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, or eat something or buy something or they want to do something, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to do anything. You can just feel it. And, you know, you can hold on to the child while they feel it. You know, you don't have to step up and do anything. You can just feel it. And then, you know, when it passes, you just go on and you do life. So do you feel a lot of them do that? Mm-hmm. Because I do, um, I do inner child, I call them inner child tune-ups once a quarter. And um, yeah, they come back, they, you know, they keep journals and they come back and they talk about sp- very specific incidences. They bring back about what happened and they're so proud of themselves and so happy. You know, it's like, I, I really did this, you know? Mm-hmm. And we've had a really good time. And the reward for doing it wasn't that, you know, I went in and and tied one on or I went on a shopping spree. You know, we as a family, we went for a walk or we went to the beach or, you know, we all went together and, you know, we had one, we had an ice cream cone. You know, I mean, it's things that families would do. Right. Healthy families would do. Or we all watched a movie together you know, that kind of thing. And they're so excited about it because nobody got hurt. No one got hurt and they didn't get back to their addiction. Right. That's they the most really important thing. So why, why do you feel tra- finding that child is so important? Um, because, um, just because that is the part of us that has our feelings, our hopes, our and dreams. And yeah, and our memories. Because a lot of people say, and this is the other thing I watch is so fascinating. They'll say, I don't remember anything that happened in my childhood. I just don't remember anything. And then we do the guided imagery and they're like, oh my gosh, I remember that. I didn't think I would remember that. And they do. And they're excited about remembering that. 
even if it's painful, it gives them answers that they've never had. And so, as, so they're just walking around feeling yucky and using and drinking or eating, binging, purging, shopping, whatever it is that they're doing and not knowing why. And so then when they remember what happened, it's like, wow, I don't have to do this anymore because I remember now. And it was, it was terrible, but I can talk about it. I can write about it. And I'm not the only one that ever experienced that because as we're doing the process in between, you know, each child, the other members that are in that group said, I had that same experience. I understand that. You know, because it's like a little mini group in between, uh, in between each child, you know, that when we process it, so we do a whole series, like the first day I, we typically end up picking up three kids because we're doing a group in between each kid. Uh And then the second day we pick up the last two kids plus meld all of them together. So that's what takes, you know, why it's a two day, but they're so excited, not only that they can remember but that other people feel the same way. That, that, that they were never alone, even though they felt they were. Right, right. And those groups, much to my surprise, kind of much to my surprise, really develop a bond on those two days and they don't know each other when they walk in the room. One person, I mean, there may have, one person may know another person, but it's not like the whole group knows each other. But that's it. Yeah. And, and they feel comfortable sharing. And they're excited about coming back for the mm-hmm. quarterly tune up because they'll get to see each other again. Yeah. Do they stay friends, you know, uh, yeah. afterwards? Yeah. yeah. They talk. Really... And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do a Friday night inner child CODA meeting on Zoom. And they stay participating in that, too. So they say see each other. On Zoom on Friday nights also. also. Yeah. And speaking of that, that was really interesting. When when the pandemic came, Mm -hmm. I thought, well, here it goes. You know, there there goes inner child. And somebody said to me, why don't you do it on Zoom? And Mm -hmm. I'd never thought about it because it's always been a connection live. And I thought, well, why not? And so there was a group that really wanted it. I said, let's go for it. And I'm telling you, Barbara, I was so amazed. There was no different. I what I was what I was afraid of is that I would not make the connect, be able to make the heart to heart connection that I can live. There was absolutely no difference. The people that um, when they were doing the guided imagery, they felt perfectly safe because they were in their own homes. And when we were doing the group process. They felt perfectly safe and were just as open as if they'd been in my living room. Wow. I was flattered. Yeah. And they still stay together. See, so Zoom works. It does work. Yeah. Yeah. And they were open to it. So that's the beauty of it. They all wanted to heal. And they they made the choice. I still have a group that does because I now putting groups together all over the world, literally. Oh, so you're doing this Zoom now everywhere? I yeah, I do some. Anybody that's in like my area that wants to do live, I do live. Okay, right. 
Um, but I also am still doing a Zoom because I've got people in Australia that want to do it. I have people in New Zealand. I um, put together a group for uh, Slovenia. There was a group in Slovenia that heard about me and wanted to do it. So why not? Um, you know, it works. It works. Yeah, that, that it does. Yeah. So, so is that I, I know, you know, you're in a child workshop and I know you've also written some books, um, recovery books, and you've done a TV series. And so you've TV, done a TV series is kind of was in the past. Um, okay. Yeah. And the books have been workbooks. Yeah. Oh, so it's workbooks for, for these groups. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. For the, for the groups. Yeah. They've been like um, 12 step type workbooks. So if somebody wanted to work on 12 step stuff um, mm -hmm. specific for inner child and the 12 steps. Um, yeah. I have a couple of those and I've so written you, treatment programs. Oh, you have. Okay. For, for other places or just, okay. Yeah. So, sure so you're all, you're everywhere. You could say. <laughs> Which is a beautiful thing. So everybody is benefiting, you know, from your knowledge. I've been really gifted, really blessed. Now, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to, to say that and to know it. So, you know, and, and these people that you worked for, you know, many years ago, they were all part of the plan. Yeah, they really were. They, they really were. And I, it's been, um, it was really fun. I went to a, a a workshop a couple of weeks ago with the credentialing agency that that I'm a member of. And it's the first one that I've been to because it was local um, of that credential. And I saw so many people that I knew. And one of the people that um, that I saw down there was a man who owned a DUI company um, who happened to know he was old enough. He was older than me. And he was old enough to know all of the people that I worked with when I first came into this field, which was in the DUI arena. And it just, I mean, even now I still get goosebumps. Wow. It just warms my heart to talk to somebody that know, that remembers all it of remembers. those. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing when you get back and go back in time and you find people that know others that you work with. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So uh, are they are they still doing the work also? Or the okay. Yeah, yeah. He's and he said to me, You're not interested in buying a DUI program, are you? And I said, <laughs> No, Rick, I'm not. Sorry, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot on your plate now. So yeah. Uh-huh. So let me how is it different from, you know, like the addiction? Um, oh, what is that? Uh Oh my God, I can't think of the name. The 12 step? Um, like like um, the, Alcoholics Anonymous or? Yes, that's it. Thank you. Or, okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's different. Okay, so Codependence Anonymous is not different than Alcoholics Anonymous, Al-Anon, Narcotics Anonymous, any of the other anonymous programs. It is a 12 step program. Okay. And I refer people from the inner child workshops into CODA or Codependence Anonymous as an ongoing uh, resource for them because every addict is codependent. Now, not every addict 
has um, not every codependent is an addict also. Okay, sometimes they're just pure codependents. Rarely, but sometimes they're just pure codependents. Um, but every addict is codependent. So I refer everybody that goes to inner child to work a code program. Oh, okay. Um, and that's a 12 step program. That's why I have the inner child coda workshop or coda meeting. It's a, it's a typical coda meeting in that we read the big book of codependence anonymous. Grab it real quick. So if you or your listeners want to see it, it looks like this. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. And it's anonymous. And it follows the 12 steps of Codependence Anonymous. And there's also a workbook for it um, that can be purchased either at a meeting or on Amazon. Mm. Um, but it follows the format. And if anybody is um, interested in finding where meetings are, if they're in California, uh, Southern California, they can go to desertcoda.org. Um, or if they're in any other part of the country, they can go to just coda.org um, and they can get coda meetings all over the country. All over the Actually, country. they can get them internationally. Oh, isn't that a beautiful thing? Yeah. So that there's help out there and they don't have to feel alone. Right. Yeah. They don't have to feel alone. Um, and so, and my, what I do is separate because mine is more therapeutic. Right. In a child. Right. And so when I do the weekend uh, or the Friday night code of meeting, we read the book. Um, the difference between the code of meeting that I set up is that if people have a question, I'll go ahead and answer it. Hmm. In a standard code of meeting, if people have a question, it's not answered during the meeting. And after the meeting, they're referred to their their um, uh, sponsors. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, because I have a lot of people that come into um, the CODA meeting that I lead or that I facilitate. I don't lead it because I want everybody to practice leading. Um, that I facilitate that have never been to any kind of a 12-step meeting. And that codependency is totally new to them. So I want them to have the freedom to be able to ask questions and get answers um, and find out how something that is in CODA um, or something that happens as an inner child or in the workshop is codependent, how it's defined as codependency. How do some of these parts of us actually become damaged? Well, there's a variety of ways. I mean, the simplest way is you grow up in a home that's less than nurturing. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the overall simplest. And it doesn't necessarily have to be alcohol and drugs, okay? Mm -hmm. Or it doesn't necessarily have to be a substance. It could be something, um, I remember I had a client early on who's, who had really wonderful parents. You know, there's no substance at all. Wonderful, wonderful parents. However, dad was a workaholic and never available. And mom, um, she was a great mom, but she was so busy doing for 
him and them, that she really wasn't available emotionally either. And the daughter, that's the one that came to me, she she said, I don't, I don't know if I fit in here, but I feel so incredibly lonely and and broken. And you know, it took a while for her to um, to get to the point where she understand that and and didn't take offense at hearing that she was abandoned as a child. It was not intentional. Dad didn't know what he was doing. Mom didn't know what she was doing. But as a child, that was the outcome. You know? do, do, do they blame the parent? No, because we went through all that. I said, this is not about blaming. So, and, and we talked about, it. I said, let's look at, at grandma and grandpa. Okay. They were the same way. So they learned how to do what they did from grandma, you know, both sets of grandma and grandpa. I mean, that's just kind of in that day and age, that's what they did. Dad took care of the family. Dad was a breadwinner. You know, mom stayed home and took care of the house and made sure everything was good for, for husband and kids. And you look back as far as you can look back. And that was the teaching in America. And it, they were like, oh yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And I said, things changed, but the people didn't change. Right. Okay. It became, there was more emphasis put on families the closer it got to you guys, you, the the kids, but the families didn't change. Right. So they were able to, to see that and understand that and not blame mom and dad. Not blame them. Because they were really, or she was really um, ha having trouble with it because her parents were really good, nice people, mm -hmm. you know, and it was obvious they didn't do anything intentional but it was still a home that was less than nurturing based on standards of the late um, 80s and 90s, early 90s. You know, that things started shifting toward family was more important than job. And neither mom nor dad could get out of that at that point. So, so that's, you know, one scenario is that, um, there doesn't have to be any kind of a substance. Anything, okay. Yeah. Or um, the family of uh, a child was, um, was born and one of the parents, the mother or father died early, okay? The remaining parent did the best they could, but the child still felt unwanted because either the mother died or the father died, whichever it was, the child felt unwanted because you probably know, you know, <laughs> I'm sure, you know, kids are incredibly self-centered and the world revolves around them. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> so up until a certain age, the uh -huh. fact that mom and dad weren't there, it had to have been their fault. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it takes a long time for a child to, to recognize. And there's a lot of work that goes into it that, you know, it's not your fault that dad wasn't there, okay? It really wasn't your fault, but he died. And he didn't die because of you. Doesn't take away the fact that you felt alone or abandoned, but you can't blame dad or you can't blame mom. Or you, can't, you can't blame the person who died. You can't blame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
or if you were put up for adoption, you know, and the people uh -huh. that the people that you got that got you, you may have gotten um, really wonderful people. And there may have been a really good reason for why you were put up for adoption. You can't blame the people that put you up for adoption either because you don't know. You know, so there's a lot of reasons for um, for why a child perceives themselves as growing up in homes that are less than nurturing because they were atypical or, you know, whatever. Right. And then you have the other extreme where they're abused and where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's really obvious. Where it's obvious. Yeah. Do you feel those in that in that case, the ones that say have come from alcoholic families or drug abuse or sexual abuse, do you feel that they 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 can heal? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I've seen it. Once they can understand that that A, the parents aren't at fault, but bigger than that, they're not at fault. Mm -hmm. Because what they hear a lot of times, either externally or internally, is I'm not good enough. And once they understand this has nothing to do with your worth, you are good enough. You are. Mm -hmm. You are good enough. And we do a lot of work on the you are enough. You absolutely are enough. Your, the fact that your father or your mother or your big sister or big brother violated you says nothing about you and everything about them. And, you know, I sound like a broken record a lot of times in there going over, in different ways, going over it and over it and over it. So that they understand. really isn't about you. It's really all about them. It's about them. Yeah. It's those choices that they made, not that you've made those choices. Exactly. Exactly. And that's challenging for some of them to understand. It's very challenging. Mm -hmm. One of the things I do with the guided imagery, because they've now seen all of that happen, the molestation and all that happened from the other people is before I have them come back into this place in time, they're holding that child. And I say, I want you to make a promise to that child that you'll never leave them. You'll never hurt them. And that what happened to them was not their fault. And that's when the tears start. And, uh, and so then when they come back, they've made that promise made that promise and then they also i'm sure make the promise that if they have children not to do it to their children right right absolutely so they yeah. sever those cords and everybody heals yeah yeah and i have people that i've talked to you know that it's been years since they've done the inner child work they're just doing marvelous you know and they still talk about you know i'll get christmas cards that are signed you know you know matthew and little matt you know, or you know, still, you know, or if they talk to me on the phone, guess what? I got little Peggy for Christmas this year. You know, I mean, they, they, you know, and uh -huh. I tell, you know, I tell them that too, you know, when you're going to, you know, get yourself something, get your little one something too. Doesn't have to be big. Or if you're not going to get yourself something, which I can't imagine why you wouldn't, because you're important. Get your, Get your little one something. Get you something. Yeah. It's like, oh, I could do that. I said, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's your child. Yeah. Why not? You know, the and it's always need to heal. Yeah, exactly. I bet they they would be. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I would be too to give my little child something. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do. And then we spend some time um, also coloring and uh, and we take some time on the last day to watch a kid's movie. And uh, and they have so much fun with that. Even the, yeah. even the parents that have kids that have watched movies with their kids tell me that they've had more fun watching the movies with the other little kids that are in that room that day, mm. which is really, really fun, you know, because they feel like they can laugh different, you know, they can just, you know, really let out a good belly laugh. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh-huh. with other kids. <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they, they finally, they heal from, from what was, do you think a lot of times, uh, I mean, I know, you know, like my parents and my, you know, grandparents, great grandparents, it's all that they knew. So it was somewhat like, you know, a generational type of thing. I tell them it's a generational curse. Absolutely. Oh, okay. You mean, you mean like addiction and every, and abandonment? Yeah. 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 How, how do they? So if it's a generational curse, the thing is for them to acknowledge the fact that it is and, and then to be able to stop it. Right. And they understand that. I say, you know, look, this is a generational curse. The good news is it stops here. Oops. You get to stop it. Mm-hmm. So it stops here. And they all, they said, we can do that. I said, yeah, you stop doing the, whatever, whatever the behavior is, you stop doing that behavior. Mm-hmm. And the curse stops here. And they're like, wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. It puts them back in their power. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's all they've ever really wanted anyway. Yeah. To have their own power back. Their own power yeah. back. Yeah. And one of the things I love about being able to do the live ones is that um, I then provide the lunches both days. And I do kid lunches and little, you know, in the brown bags with little uh-huh. cake tags on it and you know the animal cookies and you know everything that you would do for a kid and they're like oh, uh-huh. I remember oh getting God, I remember. Uh-huh. <laughs> the you just part. brought back memories for me <laughs> that's the only part I don't like doing doing it on zoom is I can't give them lunch <laughs> well that's the thing yeah boy I would love to have a brown bag with the animal cookies and all those things and you know <laughs> and the twinkies and whatever my mother used to put in there <laughs> and the little prepackaged um uh peaches yes <laughs> and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches uh-huh uh-huh the oh, crackers yeah. oh yeah and to this day, I still eat peanut butter jelly sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, now what they, that's the first thing they take out. It's like, oh, I love this. I still mm-hmm. eat this when nobody's home. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how we, we think of, of what was. It, it's funny because um, I was born and raised in Coney Island and, and we were not poor, but not, yeah. you know, it was in between there. And, uh, once a month, my mother would buy a box of Twinkies and we'd have to, you know, cut it and share it. So yeah. it, it's amazing how then when I saw Twinkies again, you know, it was like it brought back all those childhood days. Yes. Yes. And and it's it's a beautiful thing when you can remember things that you did as a child. It is beautiful. And it's mm-hmm. so fun to watch them because. So when I take breaks, um, 
you know, they go and they sit in their chairs and they have their, whatever it is they're drinking, their water or whatever. They sit in their chairs like adults. I don't tell them how to sit. They just do it, right? When they get their lunches, they automatically move the chairs out of the way and sit on the floor cross-legged in a circle. And I don't tell them how to do it. It's like, uh-huh. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> yes, it does. It would. <laughs> I would do the same, actually, yeah. if somebody gave me that. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, because that's what we used to do. Yeah, I love it. I just love it. And they all want to save their bags to take them home. I said, absolutely. Uh huh. I can't use them. They have your name on them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. We we were raised at a different time, though. This this day and age is a little more, I'd say, a lot more challenging because of social media and TikTok and whatever else is out there, which is absurd sometimes. Um, it's very absurd, and mm-hmm. they you know, they have um, experienced a lot more trauma than we did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I noticed that, and I see that. I mean, I have eight grandchildren, and it's I, I look at some of them and I say, "Wow, you know, we we can put the phones down." Yeah. You know, how about just communication? You know, I'd like to know what happened during your day, or yeah. you know, let me know about your friends, or what did you watch on TV, or something. Yes. But you know, everyone is so stuck with that phone. It's yeah. Oh, it's hard. Yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard. And I feel that brings, uh, makes a lot of them feel alone and and not good enough. And not good enough. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Not good enough. Yeah. Well, well, how can we get out of this? I mean, I don't know. I mean, this, all this communication, uh, you know, Twitter and all this stuff. I mean, how do you actually, it's so hard to stop a child or teenager, especially a teenager. Especially a teen. And and I know, and I, I don't know that there's, one person or one group of people, you know, that can do it. It really does take a village, you know, I think. Um, but it, you get it pushed in so many directions that it's, I don't know what it's going to take. I've thought about that a lot, you know, I, and I think, I really believe it starts with the parents, but you got the parents on it. No, well, mom says it's okay. Cause you do have those group of parents that have been hurt that would rather have their kids on the phone than bugging them. Yeah. I mean, you're- and that just doesn't help at all. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help at all. No. It's really hard. It's really hard. Do you think that type of child would fall, fall into an addiction in time? Some of them, you know, I mean, I mean, I started drinking at eight. Okay. Mm. That was because I was being abused by my dad. Okay. Okay. Um, My dad molested me from the time I was two until I was 18. Um, But I think there's a lot of kids now that are starting at eight because of peer pressure. You know, and I think parents don't know it. They don't know to recognize the signs because they're so busy. You know, and they're not necessarily... Some of them are, but not necessarily volunteering at the schools or at the after school sports, depending on what part of the country they're in. I think out here, you find less parents volunteering than in the Midwest. Yes, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that makes a huge difference. We lived in um, Ohio for a couple of years uh, when my husband got sick because his family's back there. 
parents back there were way different. I mean, they were on top of their kids all the time. And I'm not saying that there, there was no, um, no kids that got in trouble, but if kids got in trouble, they had a whole community that surrounded them. You know. Over here, everyone's alone in yeah. California. That's what I've noticed because I, I grew up in Brooklyn and mm -hmm. everyone knew everyone. Yeah. And if there was a problem, we all chipped in to help. Yeah. Over here, no one knows. You, you're lucky if you know a neighbor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's scary. Yeah, it's scary. It's getting more scary, not only here, but other places because people are, I think, getting afraid to come out of their houses. They're afraid to say anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And COVID did a toll on a lot of people. You know, they're still afraid to come out and socialize. Yeah. But we, we, we have to, you need to come out you need to be with other people and, you know, and not be afraid. You know, it's all this fear that I think a lot of this society is living in. Right. I think people forget that we all have a higher power, whatever you want to call them, that's mm -hmm. going to protect us, you know. Mm -hmm. And if we, uh, you know, if, if we do what our higher power wants, our higher power is going to take care of us. That's how I, I feel 500% with that. And I, I feel, yeah, you have to let go of the fear and the doubt and the guilt and the blame because it doesn't serve its purpose in any way. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Hold you back. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the things that I've been really happy about is that the people that I've done all of the workshops with, if they didn't come into the workshop with a higher power, they left with one. They left with one. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the understanding that that higher power has a plan for them and yes. that plan is for good, not for bad. And I can see the peace in their eyes when they get that and they walk out knowing that. And whatever higher power they were following before, whether it was drugs or alcohol or no religion or some religion or whatever it was, was not serving them well. Exactly. And they were willing to give this a shot. You know. I, I think it's a beautiful thing when we finally can trust our gut feeling and our intuitive abilities and know that we, we are protected. Yeah, we are. We are protected. Yeah. But again, you know, we have to truly... There has to be, you know, you have to uh, feel it, know, trust, feel, believe. It's 100% certain that you are. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, it it brings, it gives you a different way of life. Yeah, it does. It mm -hmm. really, yeah. And then there's, there's more confidence, more self-esteem. You, you then, I feel you have the ability to, to do anything that you set your mind to do. Mm -hmm. and, yep. and not allow anything to stop us in any way. Yep, exactly. Yep, exactly. So, you know, it, it's amazing how um, some people don't think that way, though. I know, it's sad. It's very sad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now your your workshops, you do a, a weekly or... An no, I, I do them as I get groups. As you get groups, okay. And I usually do... Um, they work best if it's a group of between six and ten. Okay. So that they're not too big, not too small. Mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, between six and 10 is the best. I've done it at five and five is okay. I can actually do five um, if they want, I could do it in a day. Um, I don't particularly care for the day ones as much because it's a really long day um, and they're exhausted and may not remember so much, but there are some that want to push like that. Um, so I prefer six to 10 and do it over, even if it's a day and a half, it's better than a day because they get some rest in between. In between. So now where can my listeners find you if anyone is interested in, you know, uh, okay, doing I one of these groups with you? I have a website. Okay. My, web, my website is www.givemychildavoice.com. And on there is my phone number and my email address, which is the same, givemychildavoice at gmail.com. Um, and then my phone number, if you want to write it down, is 951-415-4627. In fact, I could put that. I'll have that in the notes. Oh, oh yeah, okay. we we'll okay. definitely have all that in the. So it's uh, give your child a voice dot com. Give my child a voice. Give my child. Okay. Give my that's child. Right. It's my child. child. Yes, yeah. it's your inner that's child. Right, boy. That's I tell you, I commend you for this work because I I know it's hard. It's challenging, yeah. and but once you find, you know, that child, and you you send it you know you send love and light and healing to that child that you know has been abused or whatever it is the whole world changes for you and and you don't hold on to that no longer no you don't you don't and you're in for some wonderful surprises and i i commend everybody that does this work and tell them it's probably the hardest work you'll ever do but there's wonderful surprises in it for you absolutely wonderful surprises you're going to know yourself in a way you've never known yourself before before mm -hmm. and you're going to have a freedom that you've never had before so so your uh, your inner child workshops it's not just for alcohol abuse or for sexual any, abuse, it's any for anything kind of trauma, any kind of okay. trauma any any and, and i talk about it in there um if you've grown up in any kind of a home that's less than nurturing or if you are just experiencing, just, I don't use, Cindy, you don't use just. If you're experiencing feelings of not being good enough and, you, and you're not even sure why, okay. okay? Just, things just don't feel right for you that you know that you wanna, you wanna feel different, you wanna feel more empowered, um, you wanna feel stronger. You wanna feel stronger? Yeah. So it's for any type of, challenge not yeah. just for abuse or alcohol no because wow. we you know we always find the root of root of it when we start doing the work yeah oh there's always a root cause for everything i feel yeah you're right <laughs> the root cause. yeah but, i know i found a lot of my root causes and i got rid of them finally but yeah there is a, it's always a root cause there's always yeah. a reason mm -hmm. yeah there always is yeah there so it's, it's give my child a voice.com Right. Okay. Give, give my child a voice.com. Cindy, yeah. I thank you so much for taking this time out of your very busy schedule to be oh. on this podcast. Barbara, thank you so much. I really, really thank you, Molly. Molly and I really enjoyed this. Yes, I know. <laughs> Hi, Molly. <laughs> thank you so much. I really oh, oh, you're welcome. And uh, I want to thank my listening for listening today. And again, a very big thank you to Cindy. 
Uh, and I hope you heard what you needed to hear. Uh, so visit me at motivateyourlife.net and please subscribe to this YouTube channel, the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon. We're international and of course on YouTube. And maybe if you want to check out my book, Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing, it'll show you how to do some healing on yourself. Uh, and it's available on Amazon. So again, uh, thank you very much for listening and have a beautiful week filled with love and with light. Love, Barbara.